You guys excited? You guys responsive tonight? Good. <laughs> Dr. Dufresne said some people don't get more because they don't respond more. So we're going to be a responsive group tonight. Ephesians 2. We're going to start in verse 11. You guys there? It says, Therefore remember that you once were Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. Verse 12, That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. Notice this, In having no hope and without God in this world. Notice that apart from Jesus Christ, you have no hope and you're without God in this world. Verse 13, it gets better. But now, how many know you got to watch the butts in the Bible? Because <laughs> God's butt's bigger than your butt. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Notice that. But now, in Christ Jesus, you once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Can I get amen? Let's look over at Romans. Romans 5. Got a good group tonight. Glad you guys came out. Romans 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, Through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Notice, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Notice that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. In verse 5, key verse tonight, Now hope does not disappoint. I already preached. Nobody responded. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. But notice that a key verse for tonight. Now, hope does not disappoint. If you're taking notes tonight, the title of my message is Hope of the World. The hope of the world. Is it okay if I talk about hope tonight? Is that all right? Can we do that in the house of God? Talk about hope, godly hope. Now, as we get started here, I want you to hear this definition of hope. Hope is a sense or a joyful expectation of good in your future. Hope is a sense or an expectation, a joyful expectation of good in your future. Notice that. It's an expectation of good in your future. It's not just wishful thinking. Now tonight, when I'm talking about hope, I'm not just talking about being a positive person. I'm not just talking about you think that the glass is half full. That's precious. I'm not just thinking about you're just a wishful thinker and you're just a naturally positive person. Because even people like that, when they hit tough times, they're not so positive anymore. They're not so hopeful anymore when they get a bad report. But I'm talking about a godly, divine sense of hope, which when you have a godly, divine sense of hope, you cannot be shaken in troubled times because you know you still have hope no matter what the situation is. And we're going to talk about this later on, but let me say this up front. In Jesus, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. Take that out of your vocabulary as somebody who believes in Jesus. There is no such thing as a hopeless situation if you have Jesus living on the inside of you. It doesn't matter what it is with your finances, with your marriage, what the doctor says. No matter what happens in your life, if you have Jesus, you have hope for tomorrow. And notice hope is a, a, a divine sense or expectation of good in your future. And here's one of the... Uh, the best uh, definitions that when looking up this Greek word hope is being confident in God's goodness. That was one of the definitions. Hope is being confident in God's goodness. And let me say, in God's goodness every day for the rest of your life, 
for your past, for your present, for your future, being confident in God's goodness that all things are going to work together for your good because you have hope because the Savior of the world lives on the inside of you. Are you here tonight? We have hope. Let's look over at Romans. Romans 15. I love this in Romans 15 and verse 13. It says, now may the God of hope, the God of hope. Let me just say this as we get started. We serve a God of hope. We don't serve a God of doubt, unbelief, doom, gloom, judgment, condemnation. We serve a God of hope. So we should be people of hope. How many know you need to start speaking this over your job, over your country, over your world because we live in a day and age that even preachers are talking bad about their country, talking bad about their president, talking doom and gloom. It's the end of the world and we know it and everything's bad's going to happen. How many know if you keep saying that, that's what's going to happen? When we serve a God of hope, we don't serve a God of doom and gloom and unbelief and doubt. No, the best is yet to come for us. The best is yet to come for this country. The best is yet to come for this world because we're still here. Hey, now I can't, I can't, I can't do the work for, for people. Once the church is gone, now it's up to y'all. But if the church is still here, that means there's still hope. There's still hope in the world if the church is still here because how many know Jesus has left and sent the Holy Spirit and his church is now the hope of the world. We need to stop speaking bad about our country, bad about our job, bad about circumstances around them, even though they might be true in the natural sense, but we serve a God of hope. I dare to say people that get on TV and are always talking about doom and gloom and it's the end of the world and judgment and, and you know, God's hand of wrath is on America and God's putting bombs in Boston and God's blowing up buildings and 9-11. That's not the God we serve. We serve a God of hope. And people like that are not revealing who really God is and they're giving a bad taste for the rest of the believers in the world because we serve a God of hope. Not judgment, not condemnation, not doom, not gloom, not... It's going to get worse. Guys, you know it's going to get really bad out there. This country's going down. We serve a God of hope. In Romans 12, it says, we rejoice in hope. Hope gives us something to rejoice about every day. No matter what yesterday was, if you wake up today, you have something to be thankful for. You can rejoice today because you have hope for today. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday, you have a renewed hope every day you wake up. And notice, not just because you're a positive, happy person, wishful thinker, but because you have God, the God of hope, living on the inside of you. How many know if God of hope is living on the inside of you, you're going to be a hopeful person? In Romans 12 and 21, or let me say Matthew 12, 21, we're going to turn to Romans in a second. But Matthew 12, 21, you can just listen here. In the New Living Translation, it says about Jesus, in his name will be the hope of the world. In his name will be the hope of the world. Apart from Jesus Christ, this world has no hope. Apart from Jesus Christ, you have no hope. But notice, in his name, prophesying about Jesus, in his name will be the hope of the world. Now, let's look over at Romans 5. You guys get anything so far? We serve a God of hope. He is the God of all hope. Start speaking hope into your situation, into your future, into your country, whether you feel like it or not, because we serve a God of hope. Romans 5. In verse 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint. Notice that. Now hope does not disappoint. Another translation says, Hope does not leave you feeling shortchanged. Notice that. Godly hope does not disappoint. You ever heard somebody say, Don't get your hopes up? That's unscriptural. Some of you probably said it. That's why you didn't amen when I said that. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up. 
And we got a lot of believers, which is sad today, and I'm going to talk some real talk if that's all right on a Sunday night. We got a lot of believers who are not getting their hopes up anymore. And we serve a God of all hope. You need to get your hopes up. Because the Word of God says, when you get your hopes up in God, He does not disappoint. <laughs> You're not going to feel shortchanged. You're not going to feel let down. And realize this, you can get your hopes in and people let down everybody everybody's gonna let you down your pastor will let you down your husband or wife will let you down your family will let you down why because they're not perfect but we serve a God who's perfect he's a God of all hope and notice if you get your hopes up in God you will never be let down you will never be disappointed because he's a God of exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think and so you can always get your hopes up in God because he's gonna meet your needs and supersede your needs for goodness sakes sorry I got to spitting on that get your hopes up church family I'm serious get your hopes up again in God because some of you have stopped hoping and dreaming and wishing about the future and you stopped hoping because people have let you down but God notice hope does not disappoint when you get your hopes up in God you're not going to be disappointed <laughs> other people are going to disappoint you your job is going to disappoint you even your pastors are going to disappoint you because they're not perfect but notice when you get your hopes up in God he's going to not just meet your needs but he's a God of exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask and even hope for so he's not going to just give you what you hope for but much more than what you hope for we need to start dreaming bigger start hoping bigger start planning bigger He's the God of all hope. Why have you let that slip? Why? Because you're thinking of him like you do other people that have let you down. Notice the word of God says he's not a man that he should lie. He's not like other people. And other people, when you get your hopes up in them, they will disappoint. But notice, godly hope does not disappoint. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, you need to hear what I'm saying. And you need to have this scripture going over in your spirit, man, that hope does not disappoint. And I need to get my hopes up. <laughs> you know, I know several times when I've said stuff from the pulpit, I can see some of the looks I get back like, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> Young preacher, don't get your hopes up. And that's sad. Because you should be saying dream bigger. <laughs> Hope bigger. Not, I gave up on my dreams a long time ago. Too close to home, I'm sorry. No, I stopped hoping a long time ago because I got disappointed in other people. Notice, but if you get your hopes up in God, he does not disappoint. <laughs> when people tell you th your dreams, don't be one of those believers that, that say that. Don't get your hopes up. You're going to be disappointed. Let me just say this for the older generation in this church. Don't be those people for the young people in our church, but you yourselves stop having that mindset because maybe you had some failures in your life before. Maybe people have let you down before, but that's not God. <laughs> so stop having that mindset. Yeah, I don't want to get my hopes up too big. Because I've, I've been disappointed. And, you know, I was just like that at, at one time. You know, I was young. I was ignorant. I was passionate like him. You know, and I, and I thought I could change the world too, but it's just not like that. Don't get your hopes up. You know what that is? It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith because circumstances, feelings have showed you something else and you've gotten disappointed and you're blaming that and that's not even God that's people that disappointed you not God because when you get your hopes up when God he will not disappoint he will not leave you feeling shortchanged so I came to say church family get your hopes up <laughs> get your hopes up because God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think and notice that it says hope does not disappoint don't be one of those people that discourage other people's dreams and their hopes for their future you be somebody who's going to say you know what we serve a God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think and yeah I've had some disappointments but I'm going to start getting my hopes back up 
There's not an age limit on that. So like, oh, I'm 25. I'm going to get my hopes up. 50, let's start backing down. I'm getting close to the grave here. No. Keep your hopes up the rest of your life. Do you not read your Bible? You know, Abraham at 120. You know, we talk about uh, Moses at 100. You know, Caleb at 80. Some of these men of God did great things at an old age because they kept their hopes up. And they didn't get discouraged and beat down by life. They said, I'm going to keep my hopes up. Yeah, people will disappoint you. People will let you down. But God will never disappoint you. And if you get your hopes up with God, he will do exceedingly abundantly all we can ask or think. But really, we're, a lot of us are not giving him much to work with. <laughs> he can do exceedingly abundantly, but we're not even hoping for that much. Stop thinking so small. We serve a God of all hope. You guys still like me here. All right. The 50 and older still like me too. Okay, good. Because I love you. Notice this. In Ephesians 2, let's look over there. Ephesians 2. Get your hopes up. You know, I remember a long time ago, I think it, I don't know, it might have been Pastor Keith or somebody, but I was thinking about, they said, you know, people say, don't get your hopes up, and people are always like, well, they said I can't do this, and and they said I got this certain disease, and they said this, who are they, and why do you care, (laughs) and why are they important, (laughs) because they are not God. I don't know if it was Pastor Keith or not who said that, but that's so true. When you think about that, you start saying stuff that other people said. Who are they anyways? And why do you care? Because they are not in control of your life. They are not God speaking into your life. You serve a God of all hope. Doesn't matter what your parents said or the doctor said or anybody else said. You serve a God of all hope. In Ephesians 2, in verse 11, it says, Therefore, remember that you... Once were Gentiles in the flesh. Let's look down to verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Notice that you once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You've got to realize we live in a world of no hope because they're without God and the thing is our news stations, our newspapers the internet and everything else is promoting fear unbelief, no hope doom, gloom and you gotta fight against that because you're not of this world and the whole world is telling you, you know, you need to start, you know, saving back because it's getting bad you know, you need to start cutting back this country's going down why? Because they're without God and they have no hope. And notice, the place you are apart from God, it says, remember that you were once that person having no hope and without God in this world. You know, the suicide rate and the depression rate around the world and in this country is ridiculous. There's billions and billions and billions of dollars that go to pills to make you not depressed and not suicidal. Why? Because people are without hope because they're without God in this world. And you know, taking a pill, there's nothing wrong with taking a pill, but you're not going to get to the root of the issue. So you're going to have to keep taking that pill the rest of your life, and it might work or it might not work, but you're going to still feel hopeless because you have no God in your life. And notice it says in there, you have no hope. Why? Because the root is you have no God in this world. If you don't have God in your life, you're going to stay in a place of hopelessness. And you know, the sad thing is, uh, the depression suicide rate is getting younger and younger. And people who are on medication, people who are depressed, people who are suicidal, and you're thinking, what do they even have anything to be depressed about? They're not even that old. Why? Because the devil's mean. And he's trying to make people feel overwhelmed, depressed, suicidal at an alarming rate. But we are not of this world. And we're not without God, so we have hope. And notice, having no hope 
is a result and the root of having no God in your life. You know, the thing is about prescription medicine, especially some of those depression, suicidal medicines, is, uh, first of all, they make you feel different in general, not that I've taken them myself, but the, you see the side effects on the commercials or if you read about them. Um, if you were at one level of depression right here and then you got the side effects, which the side effects are dry mouth, ears bleeding, eyes popping out, leg falling off, stuff like that, you're thinking, I was at one level of depression, but since I'm having all these symptoms, my depression level is going through the roof because of all these side effects. So they're really not helping. They're making it worse. And the crazy thing is if you you listen to some of those commercials, some of the side effects for depression medicine is suicidal thoughts. Is that the most crazy thing ever? Who made this medicine? We're trying to get these people to not be suicidal, and one of the side effects is suicidal thoughts. Why? Because medicine is not the answer. Medication is not the answer. Your lack of God is the reason you're like that, and you have no hope. And until you fix the void on the inside of you that needs to be filled by God, you're going to keep being hopeless. No matter how much medicine you take, no matter how many things you go through, no matter how much counseling you take, if you have no God, you have no hope in this world. And what you're looking for is God. And your, your uh, situation will not be remedied by medicine or by counseling because you're without hope, because you're without God in this world. You know, it says in Ephesians there, in Ephesians 11, it says, Remember, that's you. Or once like this. Now, there's a good, godly remembrance that every believer needs to have. And let me explain that. It's not in the sense of, I remember all my sins I used to do. It's not, I remember so I feel guilty and condemned of what I used to be. But a godly remembrance on where God has brought you from. <laughs> and the Bible does talk about that. That I used to be here. And, and it says in Ephesians, you were without God, you were without hope. That's where you used to be before you met Jesus. But now you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And now you have hope because you have God in this world. But you need to have a godly remembrance of where you used to be. How many know that will help you be compassionate to people that are still lost? When you have a godly remembrance of, I used to be that person. I used to have no hope. I used to be in this planet without God. And that's a scary place to be. If you think this life is just up to you, that is a scary place to be. Sometimes you've got to remember not to condemn yourself, not to be guilty, but a godly remembrance of where you used to be so you can be thankful. Not just thankful so you can be compassionate to people who don't know God yet because you used to be there. <laughs> and you can be thankful every day because you realize what God has done in your life and where God has brought you from <laughs> and keep that in your life in a ways to be thankful and realize just because you're Paul now you used to be Saul <laughs> and you need a remembrance of that you used to be Saul but now you're Paul and you need to remember where you used to be so you can be thankful of the place you are now that you are full of hope because you have God in this world let's go at First Timothy You guys are helping me tonight. Thank you. First Timothy 1 and verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the commandment of God our Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Notice that. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our hope. Realize this, Jesus is the only hope for a lost and dying world. Jesus is our only hope, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> no, Obi-Wan Kenobi is not our only hope. He is pretty awesome, but he's not our only hope. 
Notice, but Jesus Christ is our only hope. He's the only way to real life. It's not like there's options here. (laughs) It's like there's Jesus and there's hope or there's not. It's not like there's many paths to God. There's many ways to hope. There's many ways to real life. No, there's one way, and there's one hope, and that's Jesus. And apart from Jesus, you have no hope. Let me explain something to you real quick, and I know most of you know this because you've been in church a while, but the reason you have no, no hope apart from uh, Jesus Christ is because you have sin in your life, and sin separates you from God. So realize sin separates us from God because God is holy and we are not. So somebody has to fix our sin issue before we can come back into relationship with God, and God is the only one who can give us hope. And the reason that Jesus is so important and he's our only hope is because Jesus is the only one qualified and capable of fixing our sin issue. Because we're not. We can't save ourselves. We are not qualified to save ourselves. And realize the reason why, one of the main reasons, because I've heard church kids say stuff like this, well, you know, I'm a good person. Well, realize the qualifications are not good people. The qualification is perfect. That's why we all miss it. That's why Jesus is the only one qualified to deal with our sin issue because the qualifications are not, I'm just a good person. I go to church. I pay my tithes and offerings. No, the qualifications are being perfect and being absolutely holy, which Jesus is. And so Jesus is our only hope because he's the only one able to fix our sin issue. And now we have hope because Jesus has fixed our sin issue. He has removed it from us. And now we're restored back to God, so now we're restored back to hope. I just preached. I don't know if anybody heard me. We are restored back to hope because we've been restored and brought back into relationship with God. Let's look at Colossians 1. guys get anything so far Colossians 1 and we're going to start reading here in verse 26 Colossians 1 and verse 26 it says the mystery which was hidden from the ages from generations but now has been revealed to the saints verse 27 to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles notice he's about to tell you what this great riches of the glory of his mystery is wouldn't you like to know he says which is Christ in you the hope of glory notice that is the riches of his glory Christ in you the hope of of glory understand this since Jesus Christ has now taken up residence on the inside of you you have hope and not you just have hope you are the hope of the world now you got to realize Jesus went to heaven he sent the Holy Spirit that is empowering the church to do his mission now he was the hope of the world in physical form when he was on this planet but now he sent the Holy Spirit who lives through his church and now his church collectively is the hope of the world so if somebody's going to get some hope into this world the church is going to have to do it and notice we have it in us because it says Christ lives in you now the hope of glory he lives on the inside of you now so you have hope on the inside of you now you need to speak it out to others because the hope of God is in you now I love this the hope of glory, some of us don't think about this right, because when I say hope of glory, you're thinking in heaven, in the sweet by and by. Okay, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And that is partially true in this verse, because you're thinking, okay, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of I get to go to glory, I get to go to heaven, which is something good to think about. That's always a plus. No matter how bad it gets on this planet, you realize that you still win because you get to go to heaven and be with God forever. You have hope. If you have hope about nothing else, you have hope about spending eternity with God in heaven, and that's a pretty awesome deal. So that's one version of it, but I think a lot of people, especially people in the body of Christ, which Dad has talked about this, they try to put everything off into the future and in the sweet by and by. Nobody's going to be sick in heaven. 
Nobody's going to be broken in heaven, but what about here and now? Because my God provided for here now in the earth, but then forevermore. I serve a God that's not just going to do something when we get to heaven. He's doing something right here and now. We don't got to wait. I love this. Another translation of that verse means the hope of glory. This is what it means. To expect and to share God's glory and God's goodness. What did we say one of the definitions of hope was? To be confident in God's goodness. To expect and to share in God's glory in God's goodness. You got to realize the reason you can have hope every day is because Christ lives on the inside of you. That means you can expect God's goodness every day in your life. You can expect it. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday, you can expect it. Why? Because Christ lives in you now. If Christ didn't live in you now, you have no hope for what's going to happen tomorrow. It's just whatever the devil brings. That's what's going to happen tomorrow. But now since Christ lives in you, the hope of glory dwells on the inside of you. You have hope that I can expect good in my future tomorrow because I have hope. Notice, because Christ lives in you. There should be no believer walking around like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, you know, It's probably going to get worse. No, it's going to get better because Christ lives in you and you can expect his goodness tomorrow. No matter how bad it gets, if Christ lives in you, you have hope and a confidence in experiencing God's goodness. Let's look at Jeremiah 29, 11. Y'all are blessing me. I'm getting warmed up now. Jeremiah 29, 11. Very familiar verse. Before we read that, I just want to say, have, has anyone in, in here, most of us have experienced this, have you ever been around somebody who always expects the worst to happen at all times? And even no matter how good it's going right now, they're expecting something bad to happen. A lot of the world is like that, and it's sad a lot of believers are like that, and we're wondering why people don't want to be believers, because we're like, we're the same person, and I don't even know God. So how does that work? And they're expecting the worst to happen, bad things to happen, when God has said that you can experience his goodness every day because he lives in you. You can have a confident expectation and hope for your future. Why? Because Christ lives in you. You know, but there's those people that, you know, it doesn't matter how good it gets of saying, well, you know, I'm pretty healthy right now, but you know, I'm probably going to get a cold later on this week. Knowing me, knowing my system, it can't go too good for uh, too long, and then something bad, bad is about to happen. You know, I'm going to get a big bill. You know, things are going to get worse. You know, I realize I'm prosperous right now, but knowing me, I'll probably lose my job. And people talk like that. Believers talk like that, which is scary why they would talk like that. And I want to say this before we read this verse. Since you are the hope of the world, church, if somebody's going to speak up into that person's situation, it's going to have to be you. You say, well, I'm just waiting on Jesus to come talk to him. You are the Jesus in your world. (laughs) He lives in you. The hope of glory lives on the inside of you. So if they're going to see Jesus, they're going to see it through you. (laughs) Because you are the hope of the world. And the thing is, when people speak like that around you, whether it be at your job, your school, your neighborhood, you don't need to correct them. Just speak hope into their situation. We need more believers speaking hope into other situations. If somebody starts talking like that to you, say, no, that's not going to happen to you. You're doing good, and I believe you're going to prosper. I believe you're going to get better. I believe you're going to get a job. I believe you're going to keep a job. I believe you're going to be prosperous. We need to speak hope into those situations and watch God change things. How many know if some of you started speaking that over people in your life and then God moved in their life, hello, where are they coming? They're coming to you and saying, I want to know about your God because you spoke this over my life and God's been moving already. Notice we don't need to correct them. We just need to speak hope into other situations. Speak positive over other people in your life. When people come to work depressed and beat down and discouraged, speak some encouraging words to them. Why? Because you are the hope. If you don't say it, it's not going to be said. If you don't do it, it's not going to be done. If you don't uh, get the hope of the God, the God out of you that's on the inside of you, it's not going to get out. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you are the hope of the world. You need to speak hope into other situations. 
Y'all still here? You need to be the hope of the world and speak hope into other situations. And watch God change them. Watch those people change when you start speaking hope. It's going to change the, you realize you can change the whole atmosphere of the company you work at by you speaking positive when everybody else is speaking negative. It can change the atmosphere of your school. It can change, hello, it can change the atmosphere of your home. When fellow family members are speaking negatively at your house, you can speak hope into those situations. Speak hope because you are the hope of the world. Jeremiah 29, 11, familiar verse. It says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. Notice that. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. God is not a God of evil. God is not a God who does evil things. Notice, He has thoughts of peace towards you. Not of evil. Notice, to give you a future and to give you hope. That's God's thoughts towards you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. Notice, to give you a future and to give you hope. You have a future. You have hope if you have God in your life. I want to say three things real quick about you have hope for your past, you have hope for your present, and you have hope for your future. Let me explain that. First of all, you have hope for your past because Jesus has forgiven you of your past. And the Word of God says, your sins I will remember no more. So God is not still holding your sins against you. God has forgiven you. And what the, what the New Testament says is God hasn't just forgiven you. He's forgotten it. That's another step. They had forgiveness under the Old Testament, but Jesus' blood has not just forgiven our sins, but he's forgotten them. He doesn't even remember them anymore. Because you're a brand new person now. You get a fresh start. You have hope for your past. Why? Because you have a new start. And your past does not define you anymore. That's why you have hope now in God for your past, because your sins he remembers no more. Let's look over at Hebrews 4 in verse 16. You guys get anything so far? Hebrews 4 in verse 16. So we realize we have hope for our past, but notice we have hope for our present. We have hope for our present because the Word of God says, we read it, Christ lives in you. God is not just in you, He's with you. And the Word of God says, if God is in you and God is with you, who can be against you? That's why you can have hope in your present. Because you realize no matter what happens, God lives in me, God is for me, God is with me, then who can be against me? I can overcome anything because the hope of the world lives on the inside of me. Notice, we have hope in our present. And I want to read here in Hebrews 4 and verse 16. It says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of, he, of time of need. Notice that. That we will come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy, find grace and help in time of need. You know, it speaks in other translations in this verse that God is a present help in time of need. Other translations say that. Notice this verse says that Jesus right now is a present help in time of need. That's why we can have hope in the present, because he's a present help. Now, a lot of church people think, well, God did a bunch of stuff in the past. Old Testament, man, he did awesome. He did a bunch of awesome stuff. New Testament, man, he worked with the early church. And people are thinking about, well, he's going to do something in the sweet by and by in heaven. But notice, God is not a God just of the past and just of the future. He's a God of the present. And that's why it matters, because if God is not a God of a present, he can't help me, can he? Because I need a present help in time of need. And God says he's a present help in time of need. I don't need a God who once did something and will do something. I need a God doing something right now, a present help in time of need. And the Word of God says he's a present help. He's a present help in time of need. 
Not that God once spoke, he once did things, he once healed people, he once did deliver people, and he's going to do that again. No, he's doing that right now. God is speaking right now presently. He is moving presently. He's healing presently. He's delivering presently. God is a help in present time of need. God is a present God. That's why you can have hope for your past, but that's how you can have hope for your present because he's a present help. I feel like a black preacher when I say that. A present help in a time of need. I need a present help praise. (laughs) Y'all didn't know I was black, but I am. So I watched enough black preachers in my day. I can preach like that. A present help praise. That's what I was thinking (laughs) reading that. But notice he's a present help in time of need. And I don't mean to get too Portland Bible College on you for a second, but I'm going to go there. But one of the essential attributes of God, yes, I just said that. One of the essential attributes of God is he's omnipresent. And for you Southern Indiana folk, omnipresent is a big word. (laughs) And one of the attributes of God is he's omnipresent. He's a lot of things, but one of them is omnipresent. That means God is all-present. He is unlimited by space or time. He is everywhere present at all times. I just throw that, throw that over your head. And realize you can't fully comprehend this because you're not God. <laughs> That's why it's hard to comprehend. But realize God is omnipresent. He is all-present. He's unlimited by space and time like we are. He is everywhere present at all times. God's omnipresent. It's good for us. You realize this because he's a present help in time of need. Because if he's everywhere present at all times, that means he can help me, but he can help somebody in London. He can help somebody in India. He can help somebody in Russia all at the same time. Why? Because he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere present at all times. That's why he's a present help in time of need for everybody on the planet. He's omnipresent. So we have hope for our past, we have hope for our present, but we have hope for our future. You've got to realize we have hope for our future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, to give you a future and to give you hope. You've got to realize when you have God on the inside of you, the best is always yet to come. Never think like, man, I did some awesome things in my past and you know God's moving everywhere right now, but it's not going to be as good as it used to be. And a lot of people think that way, and it's a subtle attack of the enemy to get you start thinking that way. <laughs> like, I'm slowing down. I used to do a lot of stuff. I used to really feel God's presence. I used to really do some awesome things for God. But now. And a lot of people have that thinking, and it's subtle. And I noticed something from great men of God like Dr. Lester Summerall and Brother Hagen. Dr. Lester Summerall and some of those men, they always have that attitude, don't matter how old I get, the best is always yet to come. And there's always more for me in the future, and I can always do more for God. And I remember Dr. Summerall said something like this, which Dr. Summerall probably did more in his lifetime than most of the body Christ has done. Just one man. And Dr. Summerall was 85 years old, going to other countries during the week he'd go to like Russia one week come back preach at his church on Sunday leave Monday go to China the next week come back preach at his church on Sunday go to uh, Europe the next week after that when he was 85 and he would always talk about the best is yet to come and he he said this one time he said anything I've done in my past is not going to compare to anything God has for me in my future and he was saying that when he was 85 years old And he had done some awesome stuff for God. But you realize, that's how he did it. That's how he kept going, because he kept that mindset that God can always do more in my future. Doesn't matter how old I get, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. And there's greater things in my future than there was in my past. You you might not be able to uh, see it in your natural circumstance, but realize... Because Christ lives in you, you can be confident in his goodness that the best is yet to come in your life. That God can do greater things in your future. And notice, you have hope and you have a future if you have God living on the inside of you. Last verse, Hebrews 6. 
Hebrews 6. Just realize we have hope for our past, our present, and our future. Because Christ lives in us and he's the hope of glory. This is the last verse we're going to read tonight, Hebrews 6. And we're going to look at verse 19. It says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. This hope we have in Jesus, this hope we have in Jesus as an anchor, notice an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast or dependable. Notice that. The hope we have in Jesus, it's sure and steadfast and it's an anchor to our soul. You realize when the author of Hebrews wrote this, uh, we still know some about boats where we live, but in that time, a lot of people lived around water. They lived around either a sea or an ocean. And boating and fishing and uh, a lot of times the merchants to get their goods to certain places, they would go by boat. They didn't have cars back then. And a lot of times the shipping industry was huge during this period of time. And we even know some of the disciples had their own boats because they were fishermen. And we see when the writer of Hebrews wrote this, he was talking about an anchor. Now some of us know about anchors just in general because uh, we know about some boating industry, but it was very significant in this period of time to be talking about anchors because they realized in either the ocean or the sea where they would, do they would dock these boats that they would have to have an anchor if they wanted to preserve the boat because a lot of times there would be some very harsh storms and situations that would happen and they would either draw the boat out to sea or it would just destroy the boat in the sea, in the sea or the ocean because they had no anchor and the boat would just go everywhere because there was no stability because it had no anchor. I just preached. I don't know if anybody knows where I'm going here. But notice it says, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast this hope we have is an anchor. And during those times, if the boat didn't have an anchor, that means that the boat's probably going to be swept out into the ocean or it's probably going to be destroyed in the sea because it has no anchor. And how many know it's the same thing? We've, we've talked about this before. Storms of life come to the believer and the unbeliever alike. You know, in the Gospels, it talks about that storms came to the house built on the rock and storms came to the house built on the stand, sand. But both houses experienced storms. You don't get an exemption from storms in your life just because you're a follower of Jesus. And notice, the storm came to the one on the sand and to the one who built it on the rock, but after the storm, only one was standing, and it was the one who built it on the rock or the word or built their life on Jesus. There, that house was still standing afterwards. And it's the same thing with, with hope in this passage that's an anchor to our soul. The hope is an anchor. And how many know in this passage it's implying that our lives are like a boat. And hope is the anchor that keeps us stable, keeps us sure and steadfast in times of trouble, in times and storms in our life. We have this hope, notice, as an anchor to our souls. And realize it, it doesn't matter that much when I'm saying that we have an anchor when everything's going right in your life. <laughs> You're like, okay, anchor, what's your point? That's because you haven't went, any, went through anything yet. <laughs> but when storms of life hit, 
when circumstances hit, you're going to be glad your life is anchored to something bigger than yourself, stronger than yourself, greater than yourself. Your life is anchored and your hope is in Jesus. No matter what happens, I have an anchor that's sure and steadfast that I'm not going anywhere. Then my boat's not going to fly out into the ocean. My boat's not going to be destroyed in the harbor. My boat's not going to go anywhere because my life is anchored in the hope I have in Jesus. And notice the anchor holds and keeps the boats in the bay or the sea, whatever you want to call it, it keeps them stable. And that's what hope does for your life. It keeps you stable. You know, we should be stable in unstable times, church family. Why? Because we have an anchor that holds us. We can be peaceful at unpeaceful times. Why? Because we have an anchor. We can be joyful in unjoyful times because we have an anchor. Notice it says it's sure and steadfast or it's dependable. It's not going anywhere. It doesn't matter how bad the storm is, the anchor's still going to hold. And notice it says the anchor is for your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that's what you need, that anchor. Hello, somebody. In your mind, your will, and your emotions, you need an anchor to keep you stable and sound in troubled times. That means when your emotions are wanting to go one way and your feelings are wanting to go one way, you have an anchor that's going to keep you stable. You have an anchor that's going to keep you attached to the Word of God, and you're not going to go there because you have an anchor that holds you. When you want to go a direction you know you shouldn't go, that your feelings is telling you you should go, your emotions is telling you you should go, you have an anchor that's going to keep you stable in unstable times. Because you have an anchor for your soul, and that is hope in God. That's what keeps you stable is keeping hope. In Jesus, the anchor, notice, of your soul, and it's both sure and steadfast, it's dependable. If you trust in Jesus, your life can be sure and steadfast. It can be stable in unstable times. Why? Because you have hope. I said this on Thursday night because I preached the same message on Thursday. Is stability is attractive. Stability is attractive. You're wondering why people are not coming into your life saying, I would like to know what you know. I would like to have a relationship with God like you do. Because you're not stable. If you are emotional and emo like they are, you have nothing to offer them. If you are unstable like they are, and you're saying, well, I got God in my life then there should be some stability in your life. Because the Word of God says you have an anchor to your soul that's both sure and steadfast. Notice, stability is attractive. What we need more now than ever in the body of Christ and in the church is some stable believers, some anchored believers that doesn't matter what happens, they have hope, they have joy, they have peace, they have faith for tomorrow because they are anchored to something bigger than themselves. And I tell you, you're not going to have to go find lost people. Lost people will come find you because they see the stability of God in your life. And when you're anchored like that, that is attractive to people who don't have stability. And realize, if they don't have God, they don't have stability. Their life is up and down. If it's going good, they're happy. If it's going bad, they're depressed. It's that easy. Why? Because they have no anchor or no stability in their life. Believers in Jesus should be the most stable, the most sure and steadfast, the most same yesterday, today, and forever people in the world. Because we have an anchor holding us steady. And stability is attractive. You know, the great man of God, Dr. Oral Roberts, he always would say, and he got persecuted for this, at the end of his broadcast, he would say, something good's going to happen to you. He would say, something good's going to happen to you. And he got persecuted over that. And really more from unbelievers, I mean, from fellow believers than unbelievers. (laughs) But realize, he's scriptural saying that. 
Because it says, if Christ is in you, we can expect God's goodness. Then you should expect something good to happen to you tomorrow. Why? Because Christ lives in you. Let me speak this over you before we leave tonight. Something good's going to happen to you tomorrow. And the day after that, and the day after that, and the week after that, and the month after that, and the year after that, for the rest of your life, something good's going to happen to you every day. Expect it to happen. Why? Because Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. Since you got hope, you can have a confident assurance that the goodness of God is going to be in your life. Something good is going to happen to you. Wake up thinking like that. Go to bed thinking that. Don't be one of those people that are always thinking negative, thinking like, well, it's, it's getting too good right now. Something's going to happen. Start speaking that. Because some of you don't even think that way or believe like that. Start speaking that every day. Something good's going to happen to me. Maybe you don't feel like it. Maybe you don't see it right now. But start speaking that. Because Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. That means we have hope, confident expectation to see God's goodness in our future. Speak hope over yourselves over others around you and watch God change things you know we've been taught a lot about words in this church a lot about confession a lot about faith how many know faith and hope go together and they work side by side to bring the manifestation of what you need to pass hope and faith work together we see that in Hebrews 11 faith is the substance of things hoped for And I want to encourage you guys tonight is to not only just speak over yourself like Dr. Royal Roberts used to say, something good's going to happen to me today. It's to speak hope over yourselves and over others around you to encourage you guys that your words have power, your words have authority. You know, Dad said it this morning, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And watch God change things in your life. The thing is, if speaking hope every day was easy, everyone would be doing it. Don't you realize that? (laughs) And when you don't feel like speaking hope, speak hope because that's when you need it more than ever. (laughs) When you feel like, I'm the complete opposite of hopeful in this situation, that's when you really need to speak it. When your body feels sick, that's really when you need to speak it. When you feel depressed or sad, that's really when you need to speak it. Speak hope over yourselves and over others around you. You know, the Word of God is is so awesome speaking about words. And the same way that things are available for you in Christ, but you have to have faith in them and speak it out to receive it. Same thing with hope. Hope's in you. Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. But you need to speak hope out of you to receive it it's in there but if you won't say anything hope won't be appearing on the outside of your life we realize that with everything we received in Jesus Christ we gotta believe it in our heart and confess with our mouth and use our faith to receive what's already been provided for us so if I can encourage you with that as we close here speak hope over yourself but not just that, over others around you, and especially over those (laughs) who need it the most. Don't go down that negative trail with them. Don't go try to argue with them. Don't go try to correcting people. Just speak hope over yourself and others around you, and watch. Notice, watch God change things around you. The hope of the world's in you. Now you've got to speak it out to manifest it. You have to speak it out to manifest it one last verse Romans 5 did you guys get anything tonight so you are the hope of the world and if your job your community your family is going to receive that hope you're going to have to be the one to speak up you're going to be the one who has to 
say what God has promised for you in your household and you're in your community or your job. Speak hope into other situations and watch God change things. Amen? Romans 5.5, 5, I just want to read this verse because it's been going around in me so much. We read it earlier. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Notice that. Now hope does not disappoint. In some translations it says, it does not disappoint or leave you feeling shortchanged because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us. Amen? Would you get anything tonight? You guys have hope for your past, your present, and your future because Christ lives in you. Let me pray for you guys tonight. Thank you, Father.